Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hello, I am Paolo Caimi from Cleveland Clinic, and I am here with Dr. Peter Rydell from the University of Chicago to discuss the sequencing and treatment of patients with relapse and refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma with anti-CD19 therapies. Um, so we will start with a, with a case and discussing primarily focus on the, on the second-line therapy um, of patients with relapse and refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, and I will you know, try to connect uh, with a patient that I've seen recently in clinic. This is an 83-year-old gentleman who was diagnosed approximately four years ago with a diffuse surge B-cell lymphoma, treated at 80% with a retroperitoneal mass uh, that was localized as in, in, in several uh, multiple spots in the retroperitoneum, treated with six cycles of ARCHOP. Uh, he achieved a complete remission and had done very well, except for the fact that he needed a quadruple bypass approximately 24 months ago. But he's otherwise functional, and he actually had uh, a CT scan done for other reasons and was found to have a recurrent mass approximately three weeks ago. He's not symptomatic, very functional, but also on the repeat PET scan, he also has, he has a base of tongue mass as well as cervical lymphadenopathy. We had a biopsy of that, and it demonstrates a recurrence of his diffuse starch B-cell lymphoma as well as involvement of, uh, of his retroperitoneum. So in this scenario, Dr. Rydell, of, of a patient that has relapsed several years after the previous treatment with the added fact that they've aged now uh, close to 83 years of age uh, and they've had some comorbidities, how would you approach the, the choice of second-line therapy at this stage? Yeah, so this is um, certainly uh, the answer to this is, has evolved recently, and, and thankfully now we have a little bit more uh, tools in our in our toolbox to be able to use for for patients like this. Um, so you know the the standard treatment paradigm in in certainly younger and, and fit patients with relapsed or refractory large cell lymphoma would be to challenge them with platinum based salvage chemoimmunotherapy, and then if responsive, move them into an autologous stem cell transplant, but Generally, that's not a preferred practice pattern for patients who are of advanced age or, or those that have comorbidities. Um, recently, we've had uh, a few different studies which have been published um, evaluating CAR T-cell therapy in the second line. One of those studies was the pilot trial, which actually looked at the use of lysocapagene merilucil in uh, patients that were of advanced age and really not felt to be candidates for uh, an autologous stem cell transplant. Um, and, and that was a single arm uh, phase two trial. And actually, it showed very encouraging results in that population of patients with response rates in around the 80% range and CR rates around the 50% range. Uh, and based on results of the, the pilot trial, actually, Lysocell did uh, garner a second-line approval for patients with relapsed or refractory disease, um, really, uh, that they're not candidates for autologous stem cell transplant. So there's no uh, time criteria in terms of needing to be an early relapser um, versus a, a late relapser. Um, and so I think in my eyes, that would be the preferred treatment approach uh, in this patient, you know, should they be felt to be a candidate. 
Um, and I think, you know, you did bring up some relevant medical comorbidities in this patient, including their coronary artery disease, they needed a coronary bypass graft, um, and certainly their advanced age might make this, uh, you know, therapy a little bit challenging for the patient. But, you know, if we look to the results of the pilot trial, they did include patients with comorbidities, you know, um, patients needed to meet at least one criteria for being ineligible for uh, an autologous stem cell transplant. And that included things like impaired cardiac function, impaired renal function, uh, advanced age, um, and impaired pulmonary function. And so, you know, that obviously that that suggests that the patients included in that trial did have some medical comorbidities. And so I think that this person would certainly, you know, meet those eligibility criteria and potentially be a candidate for that trial. And so that would make me feel a little more comfortable uh, providing that type of therapy. Um, and, and the other thing I think to be mindful of is, is how symptomatic that patient would be at, at the present time when you're evaluating them for, for relapse disease. Um, you know, based on what you were relating in your history, it seems like this was noted a little bit incidentally um, based on imaging. And so that may suggest that this is a little bit more of a indolent relapse or relapse that was caught a little bit early. And that may afford us the time to get insurance approval and to move forward with CAR T cell collection, manufacturing, and so forth. But you know, if we were to imagine an alternate scenario, um, a lot of times these patients may have more advanced and aggressive disease and need treatment immediately. And so in that situation, uh, you know, you may need to consider uh, a different uh, sort of class of agents, potentially something like uh, bendamustine or toximepolituzumab uh, or even, uh, you know, tafacitumab and lenalidomide, which are, you know, uh, agents that are frequently utilized in that setting. But, but I would particularly in this case, use those agents to kind of calm things down and ultimately move the patient into CAR T-cell therapy, uh, you know, if, if they're interested and that's felt to be something they could benefit from. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think probably with the new results of the pilot, but one of the remarkable things about CAR T's is to, even though they've been seen as agents that have been difficulty being tolerated, they've really made a big impact into the results of patients who you know, at more advanced stage or comorbidities who before were not eligible for auto transplant, mm -hmm. particularly patients over age of 80 who part with agents like Lysocaptogen or uh, Kimraya, um, they're able to tolerate them really well and without any significant uh, adverse events, sometimes treated as an out, uh, outpatient. Mm -hmm. um, I think I agree with you on patients who have a slow course of disease uh, waiting for treatment with uh, CAR-T's can be done. I think the additional considerations that if logistics or patient preference don't permit uh, treatment with CAR-T's, uh, probably the group that benefits most from tafacitamab and those patients who have had a long time to relapse uh, who are receiving this combination on the on the second line, and I would expect that there's a relatively high chance that the patient could serve could could respond to that and, and tolerate it well. Mm -hmm. So that probably would be my uh, my specific second choice with, after CAR T's. If those are not available, we'll probably choose tafacitumab lenalidomide uh, if if the CAR T path is not going to be followed. The question will be whether what to bridge them with. Like you say, I think I think a polatuzumab containing regimen will be something reasonable. Um, whether other chemotherapies would be offered to a patient who's 83 would be a, a difficult proposition. Absolutely. 
Um, yeah, and I think you know the the other thing to consider is in, in terms of determining you know which might be the best option is one of the things that we do know with with CAR T cell therapy is that you know for patients that respond and specifically those that go into a CR um, that the duration of response is you know rather long and, and in many instances we think there is a plateau so that would certainly be one distinct benefit of CAR T cell therapy is that it may be a one and done treatment for this patient um, versus something like tafacitamab and lenalidomide which does require continuous therapy and then the maintenance therapy with with tafacitamab by itself. Um, but but again, that I, those are certainly important points to discuss to discuss with patients when you know uh, determining best options for them in, in the second line setting. Yes, thank you very much. And I think that this is kind of raising the point for older patients. If you if you confronted a patient in the similar scenario that was younger, probably your choice would be much more heavy on uh, on considering other alternatives. I think that at that scenario, would you consider a different approach? If they were a younger patient, I think uh, my um, typical approach would be to try to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, you know, it may not necessarily be uh, a non-car option, um, but I think that does open up the possibility of, uh, you know, if they're an early relapsing patient, uh, using something like axicaptogen silalusol would also be an option as it's approved in patients with early relapse in refractory disease. Um, but the patients that were evaluated in the Zuma 7 trial were, were also transplant candidates. Um, and so that's a little bit different in this case. Um, Lysocaptogen merilusol is also approved in the second line setting for patients with early relapse or refractory disease. So I think in that setting, you could really go either way. Um, I know many of our uh, colleagues are, are choosing CAR T cell products based on patient fitness and patient comorbidities. And you know, long, younger patients may be more apt to receive something like AxiCell, whereas patients with more comorbidities and of a more advanced age, potentially one of the 41BB constructs like Lysocell or Tisacell. Well, thank you very much for this excellent response. So in this case, kind of, we think illustrates uh, the multiple different alternatives that you can have for patients with relapse refractory to start B-cell lymphoma. Um, I thank our audience for our attention and uh, thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.